From the Cairo Radio Newsroom in Seattle, I'm Dave Ross, and these are the Ross Files. Who would actually propose banning gasoline cars? Uh, I've asked Hannah and Chris to jump into this discussion because we have the man here in the studio. He is Matthew Metz. What, what do you do in your in your regular life? This is my regular life. It's, this is it? Yeah, working on electrifying vehicles in America. And you push this idea of actually banning gasoline cars. Right. Inspired by what? Well, a number of European countries have are doing it right now. And so that was the original impetus. And, and if they can do it, why can't we do it here in Washington, where we have the cleanest power in the country? Just outright ban them, though? I mean, well, no, actually, the- actually, let me clarify. So what we're talking about is no longer permitting the sale of 2030 and later new gas cars in Washington. Ah, so we so, have 10 years to get ready. Yeah, so every every new car that would be sold after 2030 would be probably electric car. Mm-hmm. All right, so where does this stand now? So right now, we had our first year in the legislature this year, and we got nine co-sponsors, and we actually did pretty well, but it's gone as far as it's going to go this year, but next year we're coming back stronger. And how so? What are we going to do in the interim? It was There was a study, I know. Uh, where does that stand? In? Yeah, so so the, the legislature-funded study is not going forward, probably, but there's other studies that are really going to accomplish pretty much the same thing. And what we're going to do is we're going to broaden the reach. We think that we can reach a lot of people in eastern Washington, a lot of Republicans, and, and we think this is a, a bill that's going to work well for, for the entire state. You think you can get a lot of Republicans and the well, well, eastern side of the Cascades we're gonna, on board? We're, we're going to try because that's the area where most of the energy is being generated, and electrical energy, and it can be a real boon for, for rural communities that need jobs. Now, you should know, uh, Matt, that Chris blew his top when he, when he first <laughs> And I will this. continue <laughs> to blow my top. <laughs> because Chris doesn't think that it makes any sense to, I mean, well, you explain. It, it's not that I don't think it makes any sense. It's just I, in 10 years, I don't see how this is remotely even feasible. Until the price of these cars come down, and in ten years, are you you think that these prices are going to come down to fifteen thousand dollars, where someone might be able to afford this? Because I tell you what, no one can afford this right now. The average price is fifty five k for an electric car. A starter's run around thirty five. A lot of people can't afford that. So, how in ten years are we going to be able to bring that price point down where this is remotely feasible? Okay, so the good, the good news is that a lot of com- a lot of Investment banks and people like Bloomberg and J.P. Morgan have looked at the issue, and they predict actually by 2024 or 2025, the sticker price of electric cars is going to be at parity with the gas cars. Electric cars are actually have much simpler engines, and so the engine part is, is cheaper on the electric side. So the question is the battery. The batteries have been historically expensive, but they're coming down really quickly with economies of scale and technological advance. So you're saying a new car could be $12,000? Well, in it, 10 years. it'll be it'll be roughly the same cost as a new gas car. Uh, uh, at uh, what price point? Thirty five k. At any price point. So, so a twenty thousand dollar, you know, whatever Mazda three would be a twenty thousand yeah, dollar. Equiv- th- okay, then let let's talk charging. Okay, I don't want to sit around for eight hours. Right. I don't want to sit around for thirty five minutes to get a hundred mile boost. Okay. What, how's that going to happen? Okay. So right now in twenty twenty, if you had a Tesla Model three, that car can charge one hundred eighty miles in fifteen minutes, which you know is Close to parity with a gas car. At 35K, 39K at a start. Well, that's, but that's in 2020. I mean, that's the. But the you're point using of, 2020 right now. And so what's, I mean. Well, the point is that the technology. You can't use 2020 and I can. So, I mean, let's, let's be honest here. Let's talk about it in ap- apples and apples. Well, I mean, 
the point is that the technology is available right now. I mean, the first, you know, um, big screen, flat screen TV also cost $4,000 in 2005 and dropped to, you know, 700 a couple of years later. And so new technology is always a little bit more expensive at the start, but it drops as, as mass production takes over. Is what you're saying to kind of get in between is tw- by 2030, you think the prices will be this equal, about equal to what a regular Actually, car is? Actually, they to be, be lower. The, the electric cars, because they're, they have so many fewer parts. They only have 20 moving parts on the drivetrain of electric car versus literally, I think, it's 2,000 on a, on a gas car. So but if that's true, the market would take care of this all by itself, wouldn't it? I mean, if, if electric cars are cheaper, they charge just as fast as you can fill it up with gas, and there's only you know a handful of moving parts, so it, it basically never needs maintenance. Who wouldn't buy one without a law? Well, that's a, that's a good question, but the part of it is that in... There's a whole infrastructure that's necessary. So you do have to have the charging in place. You, you need the economies of scale. You need a number of factors to kind of come together to make that experience good. So, uh, you know, but let's say it is just at parity or maybe a little bit cheaper. You know, there's uh, gasoline has a 100-year incumbency advantage. There's a lot of propaganda being put out right now by, by people who want to maintain the status quo. Uh, it, just people have that that habit of doing it. So there's a lot of factors that keep the status quo in place, and that's what we need to break. And you know, we'll take more investment. It's going to take our bill would generate a lot of private investment in in charging because everyone would know what the rules are and what we need to build to. But if we don't, there's just this constant you know uncertainty. Well, I don't know what the market's going to be, and it just it it really will delay everything quite a bit. And the fact is that we're in the midst of a climate crisis. We need to reduce our emissions a lot. And gas cars are the single biggest source of emissions, both in Washington state and in the nation. Why a forced timeline? See, that's what I'm getting at is allow this to mature and then it's great. But why say 10 years from now X? I know you have to set a deadline, but I I don't like forced, maybe unrealistic deadlines. What happens in 2030 if this is not mature and it's law? Okay, well, let's just say that worst case, you're right. They can change the law. I mean, laws get changed all the time. Second is that people will be able to drive a 2029 gas car as long as they want. So, you know, the average car on the road right now is 12 years old. So by 2040, you know, there's still going to be lots of gas cars around. And if for whatever reason electric doesn't work for them, people can still drive a gas car. So does that mean then let's get back to the nuts, some other nuts of this. How are we going to pay for the roads? Does that mean in order for this to happen, we have to move to that road usage charge immediately so that we can pay for our roads with a stable funding source? Yeah, and, and we're definitely in favor. Of that. I agree with that, that, that we do need a road usage charge or some way. Electric cars need to contribute to the roads just like everyone else. In fact, the gas tax is not adequate to, to fund the roads right now. And so we need a, to rethink that system. I want to ask, because I heard in debate on this while this was still moving through the legislature, some concerns about the energy infrastructure at, as a whole, as to whether we would be able to have the capacity to even have the number of charging stations available that we would need. Yeah, right. So there's a lot of analysis done on that. And the verdict is, yes, we have the infrastructure both uh, in terms of power generation and in terms of, you know, last mile type type thing where, where you connect. Seattle, for example, has a very robust system and they have more capacity than they actually use. And one of the nice things about this electrification program is this that we'll actually bring electric rates down for customers because we're going to be using more electrons over the same infrastructure. And so it, it, it will depress prices. And there's a, a lot of research to that effect. I, mean, uh, I know there's a lot of electricity lower. that we can't use that's generated overnight and, yeah. the, and that uh, would make the system more efficient. Would you equate this? Because I, I remember the, the big kerfuffle when incandescent bulbs were essentially banned, or at least most types were banned. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I have to say, since uh, I started buying the new bulbs, number one, I rarely have to ever replace them, and my electricity use has plummeted. Uh, and I would not go back to, to a filament bulb again. The, the, the few I have, I'm trying to use up because they blow out after about six months. And actually, what's interesting about that is that's actually created a lot of additional capacity for other uses of electricity. Seattle City Light, you know, they built a system for the, the old-fashioned kind of bulbs, and now with the, the high-efficient LEDs, they have excess capacity that can be used to charge cars. How about uh, farm equipment, big rigs, things like that? Would it only be like personal cars? That would be involved in this because I know you're you're reaching out to the east side. A lot of them have non-standard, you know, combustion engine equipment. How would that play into this? Yeah. So it's first of all, all emergency vehicles are exempt. So police cars, ambulances, things like that. Second, uh, it's only for vehicles of less than ten thousand pounds. Okay. So yeah, you mentioned I think last week about RVs and things like yeah, that. Yeah, the those tech side was kind of going yeah. crazy. They're yeah. like, oh my gosh, what about this? What about this? What Because everybody had, oh, what about my boat? What about <laughs> all sorts of different things that are involved that, uh, that yeah. have to be ironed out? Yeah, I mean, one good thing, though, is that, you know, these vehicles, you can really do anything with an electric vehicle that you can do with a gas car. I mean, like the, the Rivian that's coming out uh, later this year, early next year, it can tow 11,000 pounds. So that's pretty much any boat out there, you know, most RVs uh, or fifth wheels and that kind of thing. So they're there really aren't very many holes in the system. The, you know, the main thing is just to get more charging out there. And the other technological advance that we need is just getting that charging speed up. I mean, we're, we're, it, we're making a lot of progress. It's doubled what it was three years ago, but we could s- still go a little bit further and make it just basically equivalent to going to a gas station. Now, what about the latest technology, which is hydrogen, fuel cells, essentially? What about that? Yeah, that probably is not going anywhere for personal vehicles. Um, you know, the Building that charging infrastructure or that fueling infrastructure for hydrogen is very complex, very expensive. You know, how are we going to get the hydrogen around? More complex than, than the electrical. I mean, electricity, we can plug, we, I can charge my car plugging into the yeah, wall so- socket yeah. right here in the studio. So that's that's developed. But the hydrogen is a whole different thing. And really, Toyota is doing a little bit in that area, but the other manufacturers are really not interested in hydrogen. It's all going electric. Matthew Metz. So you're going to stick with us, right? Sure. All right. Matthew Metz, who's pushing the idea of a ban starting 10 years from now on gas-powered cars. Matthew, thank you. Remember that when there's a longer version of the interviews on Seattle's Morning News, you can usually find it right here in the original form, unconstrained by the limitations of a live broadcast. And you can subscribe so that when someone says, did you hear what was on Seattle's Morning News, you can say, not only that, I heard the part that wasn't on Seattle's Morning News. So my advice is to subscribe. And then when we talk to an author, a politician, an entrepreneur, an artist, a scientist, a teacher, a journalist, a celebrity, you'll hear every word. I'm Dave Ross. Thanks for tuning in.